An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. Good times. All right, let's get into this, kids. <laughs> this is an elegant weapon, and it's an appropriate moment in this show, seeing as who tonight's guest is, to make a new rule. Because tonight's guest is perhaps the oldest friend of this show. Mm. He has been there with us since the very beginning. We were there with him from his very beginning. Mm. And this is the new rule. No longer shall I inform any of you which episode you're currently listening to. And to make such a bold rule could only happen in the event that Mr. Sean Daly is here to join us. Thank you for hanging out, Sean. Oh, my God. You don't have to thank me for that. That's just like <laughs> I've wanted this for so long. <laughs> I'm always so appreciative oh of you being here and hanging out, man. No, oh I, I, I did something where uh, all my master episodes of the show over the years were kind of in like three different areas. So I had like a couple different hard drives and stuff. And I I've, I wanted to compile a master list because there was a few that I didn't even have, I realized, and I needed to download off my own website to fill out having a master list. So I put this whole list together and I realized I have fucked up so many episodes, titles and numbering. Like I'm, I'm way off, dude. <laughs> That's fine, though. You just <laughs> as you go. Like, oh. oh, totally. There was like there was two. There was two cases of two episodes that I just said the same number one after each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know what? So I was like, you know what? Screw it, kids. This is just another episode of An Elegant Weapon, and we're so happy to have you all here. This is an exciting time. Uh, as I said, Sean Daly is here. Um, man, so much has gone on with you in the past while and so much is going to be going on. It's so exciting. We just had Dirk Manning on the episode before this one. Uh, it was nice to catch up with our good friend Dirk Manning again. So let's start with that big chunk of the year because Sean and anyone who knows Sean knows that Sean is a wrestling fan. And as a comic book artist, you got to partake in an amazing project for a wrestling fan and that would be Arn Anderson's very own story. Uh tell us about the whole experience man because it, it uh, we were all so excited when we found out that you were going to be involved in this. Oh man, you were excited. Well, let me tell <laughs> you a thing or two about what it was like to to get invited onto that one. Uh yeah, big wrestling fan. I've been a big wrestling fan for a long long time. Uh one of my earliest wrestling memories was being at the sky dome in i think it was maybe 2001 2002 or so uh at wrestlemania 18 and at wrestlemania 18 rick flair fought the undertaker and arn anderson did a run-in in that match and i remember being so angry at arn anderson for running into that match and hitting the undertaker because <laughs> uh, I was worried the Undertaker was going to lose. It was a big deal to me back then. It was like this, this crazy. I, I really loved it, and right. I mean, I still really love it. But I'll never remember like just being, so, or I'll never forget just being so angry at Arn Anderson for that. Uh, and now I'm drawing his life, and that's weird. It's <laughs> so weird, um, especially because there is a part in the book, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because you know, read it. But there's a part where he talks about. Um, you know, fighting the Undertaker and how much he wishes he could have done that a little bit more. And so I got to draw a panel from WrestleMania 18. That's so <laughs> meta. It's amazing. That just came full circle. Tell me you drew yourself into the crowd. I, I'm not in the crowd in that, but I do make an appearance in the book somewhere. You'll see. You'll see. It's Oh, it's, man. Dirk was really cool about that. He was like, you guys, like, you know, try yourselves into the book every once in a while. Just, like, sneak yourself in there as, like, somebody in the crowd or, like, somebody. But, dude, you were actually there. <laughs> That's the craziest oh. shit I've ever heard. Now that I hear that, I don't know if I can think of another example where someone got to draw into a comic book an actual event that they were at. 
Yeah, without yeah ever suspecting that would even be a possibility. Very weird, very weird, and just like I'm so honored to be able to do something like that uh, for you know a professional wrestler who has been in this business forever and who has given like his entire life uh, to it and is continuing to do so by training his son. It's just uh, the book itself is amazing. Like Dirk did such an incredible job capturing um you know arn like who he is and the details of his life and everything that went into his wrestling career and just his personal life in general uh and the other artist comb did an incredible job capturing like old school arn anderson uh just like kicking ass and taking names it, it's an awesome book and like i don't know i can't say enough good things about did it. did you get to share that story with arn did you get to tell him you were at 18? Oh, no. I, I have not done that. Maybe one day I will. Um, you got to share that story, man. That's yeah. There's no way he can't appreciate that, right? It's really funny the way that it all worked out. But, so yeah. how was that tag teaming a book with Colm? It was really cool um, because we were both responsible for different sections of the book. Um, I, w- I drew all of the present day stuff where, you know, essentially Dirk, the interviewer, was talking to Arn. I drew all of that and Combe drew all of the, uh, you know, past Arn stuff where he was, you know, in the ring for most of the time. Um, so a lot of my parts are very like static shots where it's we're just looking at Arn, kind of mostly dead on uh, as he's, you know, doing things and talking to us. And so that was actually a huge challenge because there's not a, a lot of variety in those shots, which the thing is, there's not supposed to be. Right. You just want to be looking at Arn while he's telling you his story. And that is the most important thing that you can draw. And so I drew a lot of that, which, you know, there, there, there wasn't many um, things that I would normally draw in comic books, like action scenes. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, or characters doing absurdly heavy emoting. Well, you're a you're a fantasy artist overall. Most of your work has been in the fantasy realm with, you know, pretty interesting characters and creatures and things. So, yeah, to to, to go from that to just a dude sitting there for half of a book, that I could absolutely see how that would be a challenge. It was a challenge, yeah. But thankfully, Arn has one of the most distinct looks in wrestling and such an incredibly fun uh, he's just an incredibly fun person to draw. So, right. That just it it I was shocked at um, how much fun it was for what it, it was that I was drawing. It was incredible. Well, as much as it was a challenge, probably to come up with you know the minor variances in the difference of a dude just sitting there. At the same time, it would like that. I could see that being a harder challenge for your brain, not really your technical skills. Sure. So this was actually was this one of the cases where you could actually kind of like. You know, you didn't have to be like, oh, this is hard to draw. It's hard to think about how to draw it. But the actual, you know, execution of the art, was that kind of a little bit more relaxing than usual in that case? The execution was actually a tiny bit more stressful than than usual because you have to draw the same thing maybe five times on a page. Okay. And that means you have to capture the same thing five times on a page or you there are techniques you could use where you digitally copy and paste stuff but i mean i sure. work on paper and i like you know the the process that i have so there was a lot of drawing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again and that actually gets stressful because you get to a point where you, you know I, like me as a cartoonist i have a hard time doing that i have a really hard time drawing the same thing just over and over again but you're supposed to that's right what being a cartoonist is. Oh, thank uh, God you're not an animator, right? Oh my God. I <laughs> could never do that. And a really good buddy of mine is an animator. And we talk about this all the time. He's just like, sometimes if I, like if he, he would say like, if he had to do this without a computer, he couldn't do it. Um, and because it's just doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, but I mean, you figure out things, you change things up here and there to make things interesting. So did this help add to your like understanding of subtlety in emotion? Did oh this God. did this really help you kind of, you know, I could see this definitely being something that'll benefit you in the future then. Oh, for sure. I learned so much working on this book, which right. is amazing. I've never worked on um a biography comic before, or you know, it's shot the way that a biography would be with static camera angles. 
and just kind of like one-on-one conversing. So I, I did learn a lot from it. Um, and I would do it again in a heartbeat, which is awesome. The cool thing about it is like, yeah, yeah. so much fun. Um, and just everyone on the team, uh, Dirk, Trana, yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah, Dom, like everyone was amazing. So. That's awesome. Um, I think you'll appreciate how Dirk described knowing that you were the man for this book. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this was just, we just had this conversation, so it may be a bit fuzzy, but the gist of it is, uh, I believe you two were hanging out at New York Comic-Con. Was that when it was first brought up to you? Yeah, we sat down. And, but before you actually spoke about the book, I believe he just brought up Arn or was talking. Yeah. He, Arn came up in conversation (laughs) and apparently you turned to him and said, best spine buster in the business. <laughs> and he said he knew at that moment that you 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 were the man for the job. Oh, well, that's so funny. Uh it is true first of all. Like he has the best I mean that's <laughs> you know, uh I'm honored that I got to draw that. But that's that's really funny that uh, that was it. That was the thing. It's just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, the cool thing about no see I've known you long enough and gotten to know the things that you're into yourself but discovering those things over the years has been interesting because you are you know when you're when people meet you or engage with you in a social situation or at a comic con you are very focused on them like you're you know you're very interested in those people and their lives and your friends and you you know you just you're we've always talked about kind of what a humble individual you are so you just you never make it about yourself really and uh it's cool because a lot of people don't know these things about you because you're not all about you know you're not posting stuff all online about the things that you love you're you're concentrating on your art and stuff but as over the years we've discovered what a wrestling fan you are you know what a pokemon fan you are and you know, it's cool because then those moments will happen. Like you'll say something like that to Dirk and someone won't be expecting it. And he'll just be like, oh, shit. And, uh, you know, how much of your time are you able to invest in the things for yourself? Because I know how hardworking you are. You're drawing 24-7. Sure. You know, yeah. how, do you take the time to still enjoy those things for yourself? Of course. Yeah. I mean, you have to, because for me, at least the things that I enjoy, which like you said, might be something like video games or professional wrestling. Uh, I wouldn't be able to create if I didn't consume any of the things that I love, you know, because everything that I create is so heavily influenced by the stuff that I consume. I, I don't know if that's true for like a lot of creative people. I like to think that it is because, you know, the things that we consume end up giving us ideas or, I mean, so one of the things that I do a lot of the time when I have people call it writer's block, which might not be a real thing, but if I'm, if I feel drained for ideas, uh, I won't sit there and look at a page and try and figure things out. by just looking at a blank page, I'll put everything aside and I'll go play a video game for an hour or two. Okay. Or I'll read some comics or I'll go watch something on TV and I'll start to take ideas from the things that I'm looking at and not necessarily the ideas that they're doing. Um, I might see two characters, you know, um, in a wrestling match telling this amazing story. And I might think, what if they did it this way? And then suddenly I have an idea for something that I want to do for my own creative endeavors. So I find that consuming media is the best way to have ideas to create media. Right. So for that reason alone, if anything, yeah, I always find time to do the things that I want to do. I always try to put time aside for, you know, playing a new video game or just watching the shows that people are talking about or going to the movies and stuff like that. It's important, but I mean, maybe not as much as I'd like. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're making shit happen, though, which is also understandable. You're one of the hardest working men in comic books. You know, it's... uh... It's a relentless endeavor at the same time. I'm just glad to hear that you are taking that time to enjoy those know, things. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's, you know, you have to. Yeah, I, yeah. I imagine not doing it at all. You know? no, 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 no. And you know what's cool is, you know, this actually leads to a nice segue in my head, is that having, you know, 
been along with you for the ride and watching your career prosper and grow is that you are so self-taught like you've done this whole thing yourself you were you know this 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 happened maybe 10 years ago you put down the music to try picking up a fucking pencil yes kids it was that fucking simple and you know so you kind of started from such absolute scratch that you don't know a lot of the rules so you don't follow a lot of the rules and you're not also stigmatized by any kind of dogma that may have been put in your head through education or whatever. So when you when it gets to a point that you're like, I love Pokemon, I'm going to do my own goddamn version of Pokemon. You don't even fucking like you don't even bat an eye. You're like, this is a great fucking thing to do. For sure. Yeah. And because your upcoming project is unabashedly a love letter to Pokemon, is it not? Oh, big time. Uh, So much so to the point where I was told by some publishers that the name might be a bad idea because it's so close to Pokemon. (laughs) And I was like, I could change it, but (laughs) I want to do. This is my love letter to, and as soon as you see that name, you know exactly what you're getting. Um, I love it so much that I had to do my own version of it. Yeah. What's the full name? I know it's Illumon. Yeah, it's Illumon. Uh, the subtitle is Seven Rays of the Sun, which is, right. uh, it's, right now it's planned to be a three book series. There might be one book, depending on how this, one more book, depending on how this Kickstarter goes to make it a four book series. Um, but like, I'm such a huge fan and I always have been of, since 1997. I've been loving these games. I've played them every couple of years, every time they come out. Right. Hard game. I, you know, I read some of the manga sometimes. Uh, but the problem is, is that, um, you know, you, you could look at something like Harry Potter and those books grew with the audience, right? Like by the time the fourth book came out, uh, the crowd was a little bit older and, you know, more adult themes were being introduced. So the characters might die and, you know, stuff might like, you know, shit might actually hit the fan and become re- very real very quickly. And something like Pokemon doesn't do that. It didn't age with its audience, which is fine. It's not supposed to. It is a, a you know, a, a money-making machine, and they don't need to change anything to, to keep it successful. But I've always wanted a world that is familiar and fun like that, but with real emotional stakes. Right. Where, like, shit goes south very quickly, and people could die, characters could be injured. Uh, it's not as, you know, fun and as safe yeah. as as something like Pokemon. It's not necessarily for children. Exactly, yeah. Uh, right. The very first, this is very strange, but one of the very first superhero books I ever read was The Boys. Okay. Before I read superhero books. Yeah, I, it makes sense the, for some fucking reason with so, you. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you. Was, I think like the very first few comics I read, one of them was Watchmen, and then I went right into The Boys. Um, and this was back when it was first coming out uh, in comic forms. And I was just blown away by how cool of an idea it was to take these superheroes that people know and love and say, what would happen if this was the real world? How would this function? What would go wrong? What, you know, what right. would happen? It, right. Yeah. It's so <laughs> fantastic of an idea. And I kind of want to do that with Pokemon because I haven't seen it before. and I've always wanted it. You know, it's weird. It's, dude, yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. But if this is how you're <laughs> going to present this, man, I'm very excited to see what you fucking do with these. Things. It's it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, the whole thing is mapped out. The whole, Almost all of it is written. Uh, this Kickstarter that's coming out um, is just for the first book, which is 80 pages. But again, like I said, it's uh, planned for three books. There might be a fourth if it does well enough. Right. Uh, but everything is good to go it's all it's all written so for, 80 pages so what are you, are you basically doing three graphic novels then uh, yeah three like half graphic novels um yeah you know bridge builders creed the last book that i, I kick-started was a 200 page book and it was yeah like, it was wild it was so hard to find a publisher who wanted to take that on because of the cost of paper right now sure like, we can't afford to print this it's great <laughs> but like we won't make money off it. And i was like 
you know what? Next one, shorter. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> Come back just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what is the, where do the similarity similarities begin and end with Pokemon with the story, your story into itself? Uh, well, that's a, that's a hard one to answer because there's a lot, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of similarities in that it is a world where monsters exist that people catch and raise and fight uh, and, you know, try to become the very best in their own different ways. Uh, Except that in this world, uh, this story takes place three years after the world just kind of completely fell apart. Okay. After somebody, I don't want to say too much, but somebody um, captured some very strong monsters and uh, used them to destroy the world instead of... Oh, shit. Something nice. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. kind of went in the opposite direction. Uh a lot of the time in Pokemon and pretty much every game that exists at the end of the game, you end up fighting and, and searching for these legendary mo monsters. And they're like one of a kind, incredibly strong monsters. And then you capture them and then the game kind of ends. Um, and I always wondered like, wait, a lot of people consider these monsters, their gods. And now you, a 12 year old kid has control over all of these guys. What the? What would they really do? Yeah, yeah like yeah. how is that okay with people? <laughs> Why? Yeah, is yeah. Like, Yo, you just caught our gods. Give them back, or you know, well, it would be so weird to know that a twelve-year-old child controls that much power. And it would right. Be <laughs> That's so, a cool perspective. Well, it's true, man. If any one of us were given the force, you know, we'd use it in completely inappropriate ways. We probably right? would, and absolutely. Yeah, especially if we didn't know any better. Well, we actually, you would. You know what? You wouldn't. I don't think that you you wouldn't be able to. You just you'd be too in awe of having the force to even use it. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. Uh, I would do something with it. I don't know. But the thing is, I also love characters who aren't like mustache twirling villains and who aren't. You know what I mean? They're not like tackling at every every. So a lot of the characters in the book are like real life people who have been through trauma and who maybe have made very poor choices um not on purpose just right. based on you know the system that they were born into or the way that they were raised right so, right you know it's easy to say that oh you know a 12 year old kid with these monsters would make terrible choices but what if that kid had an awful upbringing or just you know they they did not hit the jackpot as far as uh you know uh yeah you know man yeah that's been a lot actually in my thoughts lately not to get too deep but you know how little you know people think about the situations that other may have others may have come through or have been in at the moment and how much that actually affects our actions and our reactions and you just never know what people are going through you know you don't and it's honestly <clears throat> easier now more than ever to um to overlook things like that or to at least not consider it just yeah. based off of you know we have this incredible source of anonymity with the internet um and we you know a lot of people just don't need to uh don't feel like they need to consider those things anymore which i mean yeah. i don't want to like you know, i don't want to get too far into it but like you're right like we need to practice compassion and to give the benefit of the doubt and to try yeah. to like. Well, the, the my favorite saying lately, the recent repetitive mantra has been understanding breeds compassion. Great. That's perfect. And that's so yeah. true. It's and, so true. you know, just trying to be mindful of those things. With people. Everybody's struggling, you know, everybody's struggling. And the pandemic hit us in a way that we all forgot that there is a, even isn't everybody you know? That's right. yeah. so and it's that, we're all adjusting man for me it feels like the whole world is in this like reset like the the synapses of the world are trying to rewire themselves to figure out these new pathways to cope with all these new traumas that we've gone through as a collective species like how often you know like there's a lot of societal traumas that may affect a whole nation or you know affect a whole little area or you know a good amount of people but it hasn't really been since a fucking since world war ii that we have gone through something that literally affected every single human being on earth in a traumatic way 
you know, sure. some, yeah. maybe some more than others, but like we, 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 as our generation, we don't even know what it's like to go through something collectively or globally. It's, it's, it's all new realm, but I don't want to get too deep into that, but uh, knowing you, you're going to probably get into some very cool, you know, human situations in these stories because that's something you've always done in your own writing which is always exciting when we when we get a new fully sean daly produced thing um i hope so i'm excited well why are you why are you extra nervous about this kickstarter it seems it's not like you haven't been through the kickstarter process for sure i think the thing is that it will always be nerve-wracking and it almost always should be because as soon as i do a kickstarter and i'm like whatever i'll just you know count the money afterwards and it'll be fine Right. I don't want to feel like that. That's that's how I know that what I'm doing doesn't matter. Um, right. And I'm looking ahead of what I'm doing to the, you know, whatever financial reward I, I, I would, you know, I don't want to do that. I, yeah. I want to put out a book. It's not enough that it funds. I need people to read it and, and get something from it and mm. have an experience through comics. That's the only thing that I want. I, yeah. Funds are not you know, I'll, I will be releasing it either way. I don't care. I think um, one of the challenges I've realized that is very difficult for creators in the span of doing this show is that not letting the Kickstarter itself affect the creative output of the book is one of the most difficult things to deal with. I know you know, a lot of the times, uh, you know, a creator will just be like, I'm not even going to think about kickstarting it till it's absolutely finished, done and ready to go, you know? Right. Yeah, so you know what I, it, I, it can was, be, yeah. For a long time. I, I was like, if a book isn't ready to go, I'm not kickstarting it. There's, you know, um, but now I, I feel like I'm at the point where I can somewhat do that. Uh, the, this first book that I'm kickstarting is, uh, it's 75% done uh it's i mean the whole the whole thing is written uh, i'm actually while we're sitting here no one will be able to see this but i'm working mm-hmm. on the artwork oh damn uh, with my head sorry that's why i have my head down if you're like okay. yeah you always yeah. do man <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like the book is essentially done i'm just finishing up the artwork right now but I'll, i will be working on the artwork while i'm doing the kickstarter for the right. first time ever i've never done that before i always get it done first but uh i've become comfortable to the point where i feel like um, you know, I'm all, almost excited to be working on the book while the Kickstarter is going on because that's content. That yeah. is promotional material where I will be able to be drawing the book and posting about the artwork that I'm making while people are looking into the campaign and what it is and seeing that I'm actively, you know, working on it. And people love the process, man. That's the thing is, uh, yeah. it's it's important to show that yeah. process. I think, and not just for people we're thinking about back in the book but for comic creators and you know anyone making comics it's important to see the process that other people are putting in to mm. their own book um and studying that and learning from it like you said i didn't go to school right. i couldn't afford school for something like this that was just out of the cards but youtube is free yes uh pencil and paper is inexpensive uh used art books are cheap so you know, um, social media is the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I use social media so much and I would reach out to the people making the books I was reading. I yeah. was reaching Marvel and DC and image creators on Twitter and just saying, this book is amazing. I just had a quick question. And if you have time, I would love to hear what you, you know, and I would be getting, you know, answers to my questions about process from these people. So that stuff is really important. Oh yeah! Um, Not only is it educational, but highly motivational and inspirational at the same time, right? I mean, you're going on your own artistic, yeah, yeah. journey right now, yeah, yeah. From what I have seen lately, um, yeah, I'm writing a story, and it's a lot of fun, isn't it? And you know, I'm just I'm keeping everything out of my head other than just enjoying the creation of it. And I'm not putting pressure on myself for, you know, to worry about if it's good or any of that. I'm really just the the process is what's important right now. I have shared it with a few people who have confirmed that it's not dog shit, which has <laughs> been motivating enough to keep through. So 
I'm probably about two thirds of the way through the second draft of the first book of three. Amazing. Yeah. So you say you're enjoying it, which is good. Do you have a favorite part of the process? Is it My favorite part so far is just the brain dump. It's just the like, not care how clean it is or how cheesy the dialogue sounds. Just, just, blah. just puke it out on the fucking paper and get it down. That's that's the most fun part so far. But I also enjoy the rest because what I did is I typed it up. I printed it out because I kind of just wanted to look at it. And then I read marked it myself. Nice. And I, you know, because I sent it to three people. I sent it to Dirk, actually. There's three human beings who have seen it. And that's Dirk, uh, Stan Kanopka, and uh, Anthony Reckazer. Oh, great. Great team. Yeah. To have well, all three well-respected writers yeah. who are friends of mine that I trust their opinion. And I was just like, hey, just tell me if this is not even like I was going to keep writing it regardless. But I was like, tell me how seriously I should take this kind of, <laughs> you know, without like getting all crazy about it. And, you know, they had kind enough words and cool enough suggestions that it got me hyped up. So I've taken those suggestions and I'm implementing them, which has also led to me you know expand because like you i have i don't know what i'm doing right yeah like i have no idea how to properly do this there was one part where i had one dude like given like basically a half page speech of fucking you know expletive shit and you know even when i was writing it i was like this guy it sounds like he's just telling people too much crap it's too much detail you know i gotta figure out how to word this better and anthony was actually like break it up like make it a conversation add one or two, two more people to that and they can right. be asking questions as to just little writer techniques that I have no idea yeah. about. Right? Yeah, no, it sounds like fantastic feedback. And you know, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's very very helpful. And like we were talking about earlier, I'm not taking any kind of route. Um, I don't want to really talk about what it's about too much at all yet. But uh, I'm going the route in the same way that there's no villain. Like there's there's. There's a villainous presence and a villainous circumstances and peril and all that kind of stuff, but there's no bad guy. Man, I love stories like that. Yeah. Those are my favorite stories, especially if you can work the protagonist into, you know, almost having the antagonist be their self-doubt. And, you know, the the issues that they have with themselves are the main struggle of the story. Well, what I can say is that this story was mostly inspired by my time hiking during the pandemic, Interesting. where I took four months off to walk the woods and I went all over Ontario fucking hiking the woods. And this story came to me on a hike Man. and it didn't just like come out of the air. I was actively trying to like I wanted to write a story, but I didn't know what I wanted to write about. Yeah. yeah. And then one day I was on a hike up in uh, uh, call it up there and uh way up north and it just fucking hit me and it just came across i just had this vision um and it was really simple because i was looking at the forest and i had this thought because you know you know as you know i'm an arborist by day so trees are a big part of my life and i had i thought to myself imagine if i like if you pruned an entire forest like went through every tree in the forest and took out all the dead wood, all the disease shit, took all the crap off the ground. And it was just like a perfect manicured, like clean ass forest. Hmm. And just that simple thought led to, I wonder what kind of people would live there. Oh, cool. I wonder how their lives would work. I wonder why they would do that. I wonder what benefits would come from that. So and that snowballed as I just let myself fucking brainstorm about it to where it actually started to turn into a story. That's funny because you wrote about what you know. And yeah, which would I always knew that. Like I've heard that enough to know. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, well, I know a lot about a lot of things. Uh, what do I, you know? But the thing is, the best, and this is why, you know, when I was saying that sometimes I'll just shut off and play video games here read and let things come to me is like that's where the best ideas are formed not by looking at a piece of blank paper and trying to figure stuff out right. it's by going out and doing things and yeah you know like it hits you 
and it's an amazing feeling when it does it really did as it started to come together and i was walking like i I had this notebook that i was carrying with me at the time and i just started jotting shit down and it was just it was exciting and it felt cool and i you know what when i really started when i got home and started you know actually putting it on paper or in the laptop at least it made me feel a feeling I had completely forgotten existed. And that was that feeling of being in like grade four or five, three, four or five, when they were like, write a story. Mm. And you had to sit down with your pencil and a piece of paper and just come up with a fucking story. Right. And I remember when I was young, you know, one time I wrote a story about Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman and the mummy all just getting together for a party at Dracula's castle. (laughs) Nice. And I remember how much fun that was. And I had, and when I did it this time, that feeling came back. And I just had, it'd been so many years and I'd never stuck with that, that I'd completely forgotten that that joy of just pure joy of creation could exist, you know? Yeah. And it should exist. I, I honestly think that it, it, it is something that everyone can do and that everyone yeah. can do. You don't have to go to, like, I mean, I think that if you, can you should go to school if you can't you don't have to and that's fine like it, it but i really honestly do think that creating and I don't, i'm not necessarily talking about comics it, that could be anything that you're passionate about just creating is therapeutic it is intense it is one it's just every good thing that i can think of happens in my brain when i'm making something yeah i think it's a big part of our drive for existence you know what i mean like even if it comes down to the creation of other us's yeah it's yeah. still like there's this innate you know urge to. to create something yeah. new and it shoots off all those like dopamine levels and for all that sure, good yeah. stuff right no, for sure. uh, i'm honestly i'm so happy that you're taking the plunge and you're like oh Go. dude i'm having so much fun yeah man i tell you that was the most surprising thing about it was that feeling coming back and being reminded of what it was like to just be a kid and just use your imagination yes exactly yeah and and unashamedly and unabashedly so just yeah it happened and you forget how much it can take you out of the world too where everything just goes away and you become so hyper focused on (laughs) what you're trying to create right yeah absolutely yeah uh yeah it's honestly it's been like harder and harder especially with this iluman uh book to just kind of let myself be as creative as i want to um and that's because i think I mean, I don't like talking about myself too much, you know. How I, <laughs> yeah. like, I've received, you know, a little bit of success with things like Better Place, um, working on certain covers. Like, I feel like I've kind of made a little bit of a name for myself from 10 years ago. Yes. Um, and so I've gotten to the point where I've, you know, started to contact publishers and to be approached by publishers in order to pitch things and to work on books that they think might be, you know, that, that might reach their global audiences essentially. Um, But the thing is at the end of the day, everything that I'm doing, it's, it's things that I'm doing for myself and not so much for publishers. And I've struggled with that for a little bit of time for the past couple months, just, trying to figure out if, you know, should I take that publisher friendly route or should I do what I want to do? Even if it's not something that might be absurdly profitable um, from, from a publisher's point of view, essentially. Right. And so it's been kind of tricky to, to be working on something like Illumon, knowing that, you know, this isn't something publishers are interested in picking up, but it's something that I love. Mm. And I'm so passionate about, and at the end of the day, I was like, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm not worried about what other people want or what other people think um, will make them money. I'm going to worry about the stories that I want to tell with the characters that I want to talk about with the worlds that I want to build. Yeah. You've always been steadfast that way though. That's, what's great. You've never deterred from that, you know, that uh, philosophical outlook on this. It's funny because that is true. But after Better Place, I was like, well, now I have all of these opportunities to work with publishers. 
but the things that I want to do aren't the things that aren't the stories that they want to tell right now. Right. Yeah. Right. You, you have problem. to wait for it to like gel maybe at another time, but you've also see, that's the thing is you've always had that nice line that you're riding between mainstream and indie and fucking punk rock. You know, <laughs> sure. you've got this style that can be fitted to all three. Um, and you know, everybody wants to work with you, but nobody knows what to do with you. <laughs> sure. That's, Does that's, that make sense? Like, yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. And you know, it's it's their fault for not being open enough to trying different things that you would want to do, and that's their loss. To be well, honest, I have no problem with that because that means I get to do what I want to do on right. my own board by by myself. Yeah. But at the same time, I understand you're going to have to pay the bills at some point, right? Oh, for sure. And I'm so grateful that working in comics does that. I'm like, I honestly, like, man, I can't tell you enough how awesome it is to sit here, even if the days are long, even if it's all day, every day, but to like work on something like this. Oh, yeah. Be like, that's my rent. You know, like, that's my groceries. That, you know, I don't get to go on vacation every year, but guess what? I get to do this. And for me, I couldn't ask for anything more. Honestly, you do get to travel though. Hey, you know, for, it may not be vacation, but yeah, that, you know, that is nice. Yeah, one of these days you may get to slip in a you know Mexico comedy. Hey, fucking Dan Parent, you see, he just announced yeah. he's. Do- Can you hold on a sec? Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have a real world moment, kids. Declan. <laughs> so this guy, come up on to- over here, Padawan. Look at Sean Daly. Wave hi to Sean. These make this stop or tell that person to stop. Can you please? Yeah. Is that possible to do? I'd really appreciate that. Because <laughs> we keep getting blur blurred. It's okay. I'm straight up kids. Pull the curtain. I'm using my kids' laptop because it's so much more superior to mine. <laughs> nice. mine cuts off mine's like 10 years old and cuts off the internet all the time and he's got this slick ass like year old like gaming laptop right nice. oh man that's so I, I borrow it for my podcasting these days and one of his his friends just keep sending up these little message notifications <laughs> so every 10 seconds I'm hearing bloop, 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 and it's getting annoying so awesome. sorry about that ah <laughs> uh, you still there yeah yeah that sounds about yeah. right so yeah yeah so where were we we're talking about uh yeah it's nice to be able to live off doing what you love man like come on yeah i, like- I mean i was very lucky in the way that i fell in love what i with what i had to kind of end up doing or what i was granted an opportunity to do and every time I see you posting about your job, you look like you're having so much fun. I do. I, I absurd yeah. stuff. Like I love it. It's such a pleasure to see everyone so long. It's a blast because it's the same thing. I'm not educated like you are. Like I came up learning from the guys ahead of me and in the companies. Like I didn't go to college for this, and you can. It's you know this is, this is college shit. Uh, later on in my career, I got you know i started going to some different things but for the first like 10 years it was just self-taught shit and now you know 22 years later i i can obviously got to follow parameters of a job but i can also in a way call my shots in that i know when something's the right thing to do or not to a tree (laughs) yeah (laughs) and you know i've got enough clout behind me like you're saying like you know you were able to garner up that I can kind of fight it a bit. I can be like, no, I don't think this is the right thing to do, or I don't think this is the way we should go about it. And it gives you that confidence to, to be a leading voice, to be an authority on the subject, even though you're not educated, right? Experience counts for so much. Well, that just goes, that that's the thing. It's like, like what you just said, experience, that's kind of what it's all about. You can, that's what you use to teach people. I mean, that's why people go to schools for experience. Yeah. You just don't have to. Oh, absolutely not. But it's good. To, yeah. It's, it's more that it gives you a base to be yeah. a little bit more prepared for that experience. But I mean, Hey, yeah, yeah. getting toughened up is not a, a bad thing either. We should probably talk about the Kickstarter. Um, 
I, I, it's been so long since we've just talked. So yeah, just- I know. We got a lot of catching up to do, kids. Uh, uh, we'll have so much more time to talk, though. And it's been exciting, man, getting back into things. Uh, so many. You are episode four of the brand new year. And what a lineup to have hit off already on. I mean, we started off with uh, John Delaney. Have you met John Delaney yet? Oh, man, I don't know who I've met. You know, I never know any who is a person he's the yeah yeah, i know (laughs) he's just the coolest and then fred kennedy uh popeye to chat about dead romans which is so fucking exciting that was was such a great announcement to hear that he's got an image book coming on Uh, we talk yeah we talk about on the show how everybody was actually in the community starting to murmur about where did fred go and all of a sudden out of nowhere he's like kablam and drops that shit on the table right i mean i had no doubt that like I, I've talked to Fred multiple times about books and, you know, working on things and I've wanted to for like a long time. It's just, well, I have no good excuse. Fred's just a good guy. And I'm so happy that he's like, fine. You know, he's, it's nice. Yeah. It's something that obviously he's absurdly passionate about and something that he knows and loves. But also, like, holy shit, he's working with incredible artists for fantastic. Oh, Nick's just destroying yeah, this book. Ridiculous how good it looks. It's right? Time since I've seen a book look that good. Yeah, I think it's gonna make people like really want to step up. You know, it's yeah. they're doing his use of like we Fred were talking about like his use of negative space and stuff is just out of this world. And then the detail into what's in the space is like crazy. But it's it's been nice to see that swell of support because everybody's been rooting for Fred for so long because Fred's such a good dude and he so deserves the success, you know. So but same thing with you, Kickstarter. God damn it. Tell me about the Kickstarter itself. What do we got going on? Tell me about rewards. Tell me about this and that. Well, rewards are kind of standard. I mean, there's going to be a lot of original artwork, which might not be a big surprise. You know, <laughs> I like to apparently give that shit away for uh, <laughs> next to nothing. Now, this will be a little bit more intense as far as original artwork. There's going to be actually there's only 15 original pages up for grabs this time. Oh which shit! Is a small amount compared to what I usually do, but the problem is that shipping in Canada is just like ridiculous right now. It's so uh, but it's funny because shipping to the U.S. is no no problem at all. It's Dude, same thing with flights. You can't fly yeah. within Canada without you know taking out a mortgage. Yet in the states, you can <laughs> hop around for a couple hundred bucks. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know what's happening, but I hate it. Um, so there's going to be a few less original pages. Uh, but so you know, Pokemon uh, comes with a lot of things. It comes with video games. It comes with you know a card game. Like there are a lot of incredible pokemon things out there so i wanted to do the same thing with Illumon. i wanted to make a video game soundtrack which uh is going to be available with every tier so everyone who orders this book is also getting a four song too cool soundtrack yeah along with it that's just going to be included at every level is this chiptune or yeah this is all chiptune this stuff. is yeah. yeah yeah so i'm going to be old school video game music but this yeah. is all going to be like songs composed specifically for the book to yeah. even listen to while you're reading it if you want. and to clarify by you by me yeah i'm yeah compl- like he's not getting somebody to do this for him kids <laughs> you've been making chip tunes forever i've been doing that for longer than i've been making comics uh I've, yeah it's been a very long time since i've been doing this stuff uh so this is going to be fun uh, i'm going to make a fully original chip tune soundtrack that every cool has. yeah uh i'm there is also a tier that comes along with Illumon trading cards. Uh, so there's going to be a set of four uh, custom-made trading cards for a fake game that exists within the world of Illumon. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so in the world of the book, there's this Illumon trading card game that exists. Uh, and so I will be... I've already designed them all, but I, I will be printing... Uh, a set of four collectible trading cards that uh, a certain tier will be able to get. Uh, there's going to be a map of the book, or sorry, a map of the world that exists within the book uh, is going to be available as a tier as well. Oh, um, you love making your maps. Making maps. I don't know why. I guess <laughs> because like, every video game that I've ever loved has a huge sprawling world map. And right. it's just, like, 
this is the coolest thing ever. Maps are cool, man. Maps are just cool. Yeah. Uh, it's neat. Uh, and it helps. We all love drawing treasure maps when we were kids, right? <laughs> yeah, we certainly did. Yeah. Took it to an obsessive level. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the overall goal? Uh, financially? Yeah. Uh, 10,000 Canadian. 10,000 Canadian. Now, this is going to launch. Well, actually, kids, to be honest, uh, why should you know? I should scooch things around, maybe. I don't know. Because this, if I was to go in order of the episodes I've recorded, this won't be out for like two weeks. That's fine. So maybe we, you know what? This is my show. I can release shit whenever the fuck <laughs> I want. So I'm going to release this shit, you know, either on that day or very fucking shortly afterwards. Um, yeah, fuck this shit. What am I worrying about? You all can take more than one elegant weapon a week. Fuck, we're going to fucking take 2023 fucking hard, kids. That's right. Um, yeah, so, but it is, it's January 6th, which is Friday, January 6th. The Kickstarter yeah. begins. So whether that was a couple days ago, today, or in a couple days, kids, I'm calling, what time is it going? Is it going at midnight, like Thursday at midnight? going to be friday at 11 a.m eastern standard time um just before lunch yeah i'm gonna say work people settle i'm going okay nine o'clock p.m i'm gonna say that on nine o'clock p.m on friday january 6th this shit is funded yeah right that's not happening i'm calling it that's very that is awesome uh i expect the last hour is, I mean, I, I have to be conservative in my, um, of course you do. Uh, I don't, entity, you don't know. I never uh, do. And I'm always right. You guys are always <laughs> humble about this shit. You guys are always like, Oh, I really hope it funds first fucking day. Bam. That shit's always fucking getting wrapped up. My conservative opinion is going to be, uh, the last day. I think it'll just scooch by and I think it will. Of 30. Just... Yeah. The, the you think on the thirtieth day? Yeah, dude, no, no shit. That is my actual assumption. I'm listen, not- go back to that confidence you were talking about earlier. You've been through enough kickstarters now that have done like thirty grand in a week. Like it's you're only asking for ten grand, man. No, no, no. That's uh, it's you know it's I don't know. I yeah. Go ahead, whatever. Be humble, kids. Get out there. Get on this shit. Let's prove him wrong. Okay. Let's prove Sean wrong and show him that he is worth $10,000 in a day because I I really, uh, okay, you may not get to it, obviously. I'm being overhyping here. That's what I, I appreciate do. that because I but need I, to do that. I think it's, I think you're good. Well, I know you're going to be surprised. If you make more than $100, you'll be fucking surprised. I'll be so happy if that happens. <laughs> No idea. I'll be like, oh my god, hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, but I have a feeling that this is gonna go rather quickly, dude. Like, it's that's not that's another thing. It's not a greedy Kickstarter. A lot of Kickstarters these days are going far in excess of ten grand Canadian. I'm honestly, it's I'm very uh, excited to be doing this by myself. Terry, I was about that, to say that means first of all, the most important thing is if it fails. It's all me. I don't right. have to look at anybody else. I don't have to. I don't point fingers. I just look at myself and I'm like, you didn't do it. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. But right. also, um, the whole thing is essentially done. I'm not really paying. The only thing I'm paying for is printing and shipping. Mm-hmm. I don't need to worry about paying anyone else because I did the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I'm not necessarily saying that that is the way that comics should be. I think. Comics are a collaborative medium, and they're actually best done when it's multiple people working on one project. Uh, I just selfishly decided that I was going to do this all myself, <laughs> which is maybe good, is maybe not. But I keep some costs down, man. And I don't think you're being selfish. I think you just tend to be that kind of creator. I mean, so there's writer artists out there. There's some guys who just like it just... It's not that they don't want to work with other people because you do, you do all the time. You work with other writers all the time. Love where I mean, some of my favorite books that I have ever done were with Bob Sally, incredible writer. Yeah. Murray Easton Deverne. Easton. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And he and I actually have something planned for March. That's uh, right. About 
soon. <laughs> yeah. Very exciting. Well, that's new news that you can bust out for Toronto Comic Con, right? That's right. Oh, yeah. March. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that shit's going to roll up soon, man. I don't think this is going to be a very long winter. I think uh, with this mild weather, I think it's going to help people charge through pretty positively. For and sure. I hear a lot of buzz. People are already talking about Toronto Comic Con, man. It, it feels like it's been a, a few minutes since I've uh, sat at a table and, and just hung out with people. So I'm right. Hopefully, I get in, but I'm very excited if I do. Then that will be absurd. Too it's just cool. Yeah. I'm so happy for you, Sean. Look at where all this hard work has, has led. Look what you did, man. It's just fun. <laughs> you know, like, I wish well, I- people need to take note, and that's been the thing about it. I mean, both you and I, luckily, and maybe that's why we hit it off in the beginning, our little gaggle of friends on Twitter, is because we all were doing it for the fun of it. Yeah. You know, I started this podcast over 10 years ago in no way ever thinking that I would make a fucking dime. And I never have. This thing has cost me thousands of dollars <laughs> over the decade. You know, but you enjoyed it. I've loved every second of it to where I'm still doing it. You know, like I pay to do this shit every year. That's how much I love doing it, you know, and you came out of the same school. A lot of us guys from that little fucking click did, you know. You have to, though, because if you're just like, I want to get into comics or media um, for money, like, oh, yeah, maybe it'll happen. But like, if it doesn't, you're going to hate every goddamn second of it. Oh, yeah. uh, A hard sell for you. Well, it's been weird with the comic because, you know, I'm in this community and it's all creators and I understand they're looking at things through a certain filter all the time. But people keep asking me questions that I have not even considered or will consider considering until this thing is done. They're like, well, who's your artist going to be? And I was like, yeah, because that's crossed my mind. They're like, who's like, who's going to do this? Oh, you're going to give it to source point or whatever. Like, it's like none of I just want to get the last word down, you know, like I have an editor that I have approached and been in talks with. And, you know, and that's my only consideration going past the creative point you know what i mean because they're part of that creation like you know even when the last draft is done it still needs to go through some editor's hands right uh big time i mean the editor is the unsung hero of the comic book Mm -hmm. i mean like there are uh i i would wager that most editors much like letter letterers do not get enough credit for the work that they do in comic books absolutely not they can make or break a book yeah uh, so yeah. many ways. it's absurd uh yeah editors like are a must I, I- it's been so nice to see you mentioned the letters but uh since our friend andrew thomas hooked up with secret stash press and has been doing the lettering over there for Kevin Smith. Yeah, that's a super cool thing. And his name is on every fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> not smaller, not of the list right there. When it says who worked on this book, you know, it's got all the writer, artist, fucking colorist, fucking letterer. And his yeah. name is big and fat. And, you know, that is such a Kevin Smith thing to do. Uh, but it's awesome. And that's, you know, I, I see no reason for that for it not to be that way no of course Uh, but i mean like kevin smith is a comic fan he knows the business he knows how important all this stuff is he appreciates the work is the thing right yeah absurd like it's so cool that andrew's like yeah right that stuff is so awesome well all these look at this like think back to when we started we're doing all this right you know circa whatever 2010 right or so 2011 we all started that's that's about when we met because my kid was born in 2010 right and i'd started the podcast just around then with sean yes yeah and you know we had been going to comic cons for years before that but not as the podcast and then and then came twitter and i think twitter came out in 2011 i think i think it was eight was it that early but i i think it was like right right around there but then we had our little group and we got to meet up on there and it was so cool and weird to meet you on twitter of all places with you being in the area and part of the local you know yeah shenanigans so then we went to fan expo we met you and i also started you know interviewing all the people and just to see like the jason lose 
you know, and all the people that have just like come up from being like Jason was a cosplayer for fuck's sake. Yeah, he was a multiple man cosplayer. He now. was a multiple man cosplayer, and now he's doing multiple man in the fucking X Men comics for Marvel. It's absurd. It's so cool though, but that's just first of all, like another absurdly talented comic creator who right you know, has done some also amazing indie stuff that i think right. everyone should check out yeah but that's just a testament to hard work it's like yeah you know you you put the work in you do you do yeah. it and that's you, what it is even if you question yourself you push past that yeah, um, yeah like it's okay to question yourself but it's you know you still have to keep going that's yeah. I love that the raid studio is now mostly comprised of guys that I spent several years hearing talk about how cool raid was. <laughs> oh, I'd so love to be part of raid one day or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And now half of them are, and look, half of them are working for fucking Marvel. It's out of control, man. That's so funny. Yeah. So many people do it, but there, you're right. There has been a huge shift to, uh, to self-publishing, you know? Uh, I think it just makes a lot of sense right now. I think mm-hmm. it, uh yeah a lot of people just want fewer hands in their pockets i guess which you know there is something to that but there uh, that's not the only way obviously mm. um, publishers still offer a whole hell of a lot as far as printing distribution um and many other factors of course but uh i just see independent comic creators moving into self-publishing more so now than ever yeah and i think it's very healthy for the comic book industry. I would agree, man. It's, I think it's uh, consumers, people who want new comics. I think it's great for them too. I think we're going to see this kind of thing. Cause like, it's just like, I know enough having been a lunatic to have been the only one who works on this show for 10 years <laughs> sure. to know what a ridiculous thing it is to do. I don't know any other podcasters really who do a weekly regular show and do it all themselves. <laughs> and it's a lot to the point where I've had to take extended breaks just because I, I couldn't keep up with having to do the editing, the production, the promoting, the recording, the whole fucking thing. Right. That's a full time job for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that you're going to see comics start to become like mini teams. You know, where you've got these little groups of people who just get together and make this thing and then separate and move into another little group, um, you know, because, you know, not everybody's nuts like you and me, where they're going to do the whole goddamn <laughs> thing themselves. Yeah, but I yeah. think you're going to see that. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot more confidence in people's just immediate little circles of just banging shit out and getting it done, you know? Uh, big time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Easton and I uh, have been talking a ton about just uh creating like an umbrella that we would publish all of our comics under uh, like you know if he has his own things they go under that if i yeah own, go under that and then the things we do together also go under that so yeah you know it's um but then also welcoming other creators that we want to work with into this as well so uh yeah it's just all good stuff i'm very excited and like pleased with the way that comics are going right now uh, it is a good time yeah, yeah, it is. It's such a good time. <laughs> Bright future for the for the upcoming season too. Hello, young man. How are you? You doing all right? <laughs> you doing well? Yeah. Good times. Um, one more thing we got to address. Yeah. Before we wrap things up, you were talking earlier about how Pokemon things, you know, have not grown. They stay the same because that's kind of the nature of the show. Yeah. Until recently. Yes. As there has been a large announcement that the show, in fact, will be growing up a little bit. Yes, ever so slightly, yeah. And Ash will be finished. Now, I didn't realize that it was an ageless show. I didn't realize that Ash was kind of the same Ash he's always been. I thought he did grow up over the course of the show. But that's not the case? No, that's not the case. Uh, okay. Always been 10 or 12 or something like that. Um so yeah, it's it is an ageless show. Until so now. is there no canon then? Kind of there is canon, yeah, but it's like The Simpsons. How The Simpsons they just are... ignore it completely. But, yeah, it. It, it just yeah, it doesn't matter that it's been <laughs> thirty years. It, it's just it's like, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, but ha- so I think a lot of people are really excited about that because it's like holy shit, we're like getting changed. We're yeah, characters evolve, um, and it's something that I've wanted to see for a long time. Uh, and I am excited about, but at the same time, 
I believe the content will still be for the same demographic, which is children, which is fine. It, it shouldn't change. It should right. be um, because it's Pokemon. Um, but, you know, going back to how I feel about everything, like I want something for me. You right. Know? I, yeah, want, I don't want to see Ash just retire from being a main character. I want to see him as an old man who misses his Pikachu who died eight years ago. Old man Ash. Yeah, we got, I want, want your old man Ash. Yeah, I want to see <laughs> characters who have grown and changed and who are upset at the way their life turned out and who have all of these familial hardships to overcome. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like all of this wild stuff that we can relate to as adults now. Um, I want to see that. So that's what I'm doing. That's exciting, man. I'm so glad that you make the things that you want to see because we end up liking seeing Adam. Um, so he's really not won like the world championship over the past 30 years. No, no. There have been a couple times where it's been absurdly close. There's a lot of drama a few years back where it was like he had it, he should have, but the writers didn't let him do it. Uh, and people thought like, oh, it'll never happen. If this wasn't it, it's never going to happen. And then it happens and everyone's celebrating. And it's like, well, what has next? it happened yet? Or have they just announced they're going to? I believe it's happened. Oh, right. it has happened, eh? Happened. He did it. He pulled it off. That's crazy. I think. <laughs> I had no idea it was like a Simpsons thing where they just ignored it for 30 years. Yeah. And then let him win. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can get away with a lot in cartoons. Uh. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, kids. Um, another fine, excellent catch-up with our good friend, Sean Daly, January 6th. That's in and around today or now. Get out there and support this Kickstarter. As you've heard, it's uh, something passionately personal to Sean. Um, and he did it all. So you know that's effort and you know that's earned effort. So go give him your hard-earned money and you'll get an amazing comic book and some cards and a fucking map and lots of crazy <laughs> cool shit. So, uh, and a soundtrack for fuck's sakes. Yeah, soundtrack with every uh, every tier. Uh, it's Ulamon. Am I saying that right? Ilamon or Iliamon? Yeah, you got it. Ilamon, uh, the, the seven rays of the sun. Yep. Uh, yeah, kids, get on there. Kickstarter. Check it out, Sean. Thank you so much, my friend. It's like so nice catching up, and I hope we get to do it again soon. Well, we got to do it in person real soon, because yeah, yeah. uh, that's the bestest of ways. But until then, kids, that's all we're going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy.